This is the Used Car Dealer Podcast. All right, well, Zach here, and we have a great guest on the podcast today, Danny Zelowski from VinQ. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks, Zach. It's, a, it's an awesome time to be in the car business, for sure. Exactly. And I'm so excited to get started. And for the audience listening today, talk about your background in the automotive space and how you got involved in the VinQ business. You bet. So I've been uh, in the car business since I was a kid. Uh, my dad started it in uh, 1983. We've always been in the used car automotive space. And uh, I joined when I was about 14 years old. Uh, to prove to my dad that I could sell cars, but then quickly figured out that I really liked where industry and technology kind of met. And at the time, that was really in marketing because you got to work with other technology companies in order to broadcast your message. And so I, I didn't know back then that I would one day be in technology, but I was certainly attracted to it. And, and we grew our business uh, organically over time. Something that was unique to us, we, we decided early on that we didn't want a floor plan, uh, meaning we weren't going to borrow money to build our business. And so that forced us to decision differently in the way that we grew, in the way that we grew our inventory, because we, we wanted to own everything for cash and, and, and not be beholden to making decisions um, based on fear. But instead, let's make them based on what, what our business actually needs. So as that um, idea continued to evolve through our company, um, that also started uh, changing the way that we price cars, syndicate cars, um, and, uh, and that's down to the conversations that we have, which uh, introduced me to uh, uh, Matt Watson back uh, in the day. My, my dad bought our first computer from Matt at Sears. Um, and asked Matt, hey, do you know how to work this thing? And he said, sure. And he said, you should come out and, and uh, set this thing up. So Matt came to our dealership, set it up, and, and uh, we asked him, said, hey, do you know how to uh, uh, build any programs? Because we, we want to build a program to sell cars from. And he goes, sure, I'll build that. So Matt built our first point of sale system called Sell Some Cars. <laughs> <And then laughs> wow. quickly figured out that we had a syndication issue because it didn't exist back there, back then. And so he built Vinstickers, which one day grew into Vin Solutions, and Matt's uh, continued to be a friend of ours. So, um, and so uh, because of that, um, you know, let's fast forward to uh, my uh, early 30s. I, I wanted to get into the software space, and, and Matt, being my friend, I, I said, "Hey, I want to start a software company because I see this what I call race to the bottom on price. Uh, what should I do?" And he said, "Well, you know what, I." I know somebody who's in that space and uh, can write code and already has the, the, the beginnings of something really great. You guys should meet. Um, and then that's when I met Chris Hoke, who today is my business partner at VinQ. Wow. What a great story. And we know Matt as well and a former guest of the podcast too. Yeah. So 2020, 2021, they've been surreal from an inventory standpoint. Yeah. What was the inventory crisis or what has it taught us about market pricing? So I have a CarMax right across the street from me and uh, they've been around obviously for a really long time. And for, for over a decade, dealers let them uh, buy cars from the public uh, quietly. Like we didn't compete against them, right? There may be a few dealers around the country that uh, figured it out and started 
uh, uh, doing private party acquisition, but CarMax predominantly was doing it for a really long time. And um, I grew up in the auction era where I'd go to the auction and, you know, the last guy with his hand up also paid the most. Uh, we tried to be innovative early on and we passed out Nextel phones to new car dealerships so that when they were trading for a car, they could page us and say, hey, what's this thing worth? And then we bid it over the phone um, and then we come in and buy it all. We called it war, wholesale auction retail. So we we buy it all and we redistribute to the market. Um, and that was our innovative way back in the day, still carrying black books in our pockets to buy cars. Well, that um, idea of... Um, you make your profit when you buy the car, not when you sell the car, was really what fueled us into thinking, okay, how can we scale a uh, vehicle buying center? And so how has COVID changed our outlook? Well, first of all, for seven years now, my dealership has had a vehicle buying center. So I have a manager and four agents um, that are solely focused on acquisition. Early on, it was not just private party, but it was also auction because, you know, we thought hey, if we use data to our advantage, we can know where the honey holes are and buy good cars. But then we figured out when we started tracking gross and turn that um, working with consumers the same way we sell cars, but to buy cars was really powerful. Uh, so uh, when COVID hit early on, obviously for everybody, it dried up. We, you know, nobody knew what the heck was happening and if sales would be strong or weak or, or what. But once sales started picking up and automotive started um, uh, facing a, a, a inventory shortage, we looked around and go, well, we don't have an inventory shortage. We have quite the opposite. Uh, we were still wholesaling even some cars. So, um, uh, so the answer is <clears throat> it really focused us on not just selling and marketing channels, but now acquisition channels. And I think it's it's doing that to the industry today. And what are three things that good inventory management should be? So I call it highest authentic value. That's, that's um, a term that VinQ uses. Highest authentic value today is different than it was even a couple of years ago. So if we, if we think about a piece of merchandise, a car, when you put it out there in the world, year, make, model, mileage, condition, history, um, that's really all that can rank a vehicle online in syndicates use like fair deal, good deal, great deal, right? But there's a limited number of factors that can put that superlative on that vehicle. What's more important is for the dealer to communicate the highest authentic value. And some of those values are above and beyond price, right? So values like this vehicle got $1,200 worth of service done to it. It's got new tires, belts, brakes, hoses. This vehicle is also certified. It gives it a year warranty. This vehicle also has a one owner, clean Carfax, no accidents. That's got value relative to other cars like it. Um, this vehicle also uh, was a local trade and we know the local market and it, it didn't come from a high salt area. All those have value into a consumer you know, just speaking for me, and I, Zach, I think you'd probably be the same. You pay a little bit more money for that car if you were given that information, right? So in an inventory management system like VinQ, highest authentic value is, is really important. Certainly, you still have the foundation of knowledge to understand your competitive set, um, uh, what other vehicles are selling for, whether it be retail transaction data or similars or wholesale transaction data. But even in the wholesale space, 
you know, you're competing with other experts. So those numbers can be, um, can, can drive you again, back to that idea of race to the bottom. So it's important mm. that you have not just wholesale data to look at, but what are they leaving the market for? And, um, and is your comp set even accurate? Uh, are you competing with dealers who are inaccurately uh, uh, merchandising their cars? So again, dealer needs to communicate highest authentic value in their car and they need a system to be able to do that because that, that increases growth, that increases churn, that um, uh, makes a dealership more successful. So oftentimes dealers, they're conditioned to drop prices. For instance, if a car isn't moving, is that the right strategy in your opinion, especially in today's market? It's not. No, um, it's a strategy, but it's not the strategy. So let's uh, let's paint the perfect picture. If you have a car and you've merchandised it to its highest authentic value, the pictures are right, the comments are right, you've listed reconditioning, you've, you've given a consumer a call to action, a way to reach you, and you're doing a good job, but the, for some reason, the car's still not moving. Let's say it's a Ford Fusion or Chevy Impala that traditionally has a high market day supply. There's a lot of them out there, right? Um, the answer isn't to just lower the price, hoping and praying that you're going to get somebody's attention. The answer is to boost the vehicle so that you can get it out in front of other eyeballs. Um, and so we call that VIN-specific targeted advertising. So in today's world, we can see the behavior of other consumers in a market, and we can see what they're shopping for by class, by price range, um, what sites they're on, and so forth. So if we can serve that vehicle that we have to a, uh, a consumer, uh, then we can get that consumer back to us and sell that vehicle even at a great fair price, right? Not, but if, if the vehicle has, you know, it's $2,000 less than every other car, the only other way, the only way we're gonna grab that consumer is if that consumer is already educated on the other vehicles and has boiled down that ours is the, is the cheapest one. So I, I, I would call that a really bad strategy. Um, in, in today's world, specifically with NQ, you don't have to do that. So increase gross and increase churn so that we can decommoditize some of the commoditization that's happened with um, a uh, velocity mentality. And obviously, inventory management, it's a key component of a successful used car dealer operation. What else is important for used car dealers to get right in this marketplace? So today, um, the loyalty has shifted from a good business to a good experience. So Zach, think about it for yourself. If your parents and your grandparents have always done business with this one dealership, but you go in there and today it wasn't a good experience, you, you're not going to have loyalty to that business anymore. And so what um, specifically people our age um, are looking for is a great experience. And so getting creative around how we can remove friction from a vehicle acquisition or vehicle selling experience, um, giving dealers, or excuse me, giving consumers the ability to uh, communicate in a multi-communication uh, way. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, mm -hmm. For years, we were like, hey, texting's a big deal. You should text your consumers. And so we told all of our salespeople to text, 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 text. And so they listened, they started texting. Well, we made, we pissed some people off and I'll tell you why it's because some people hated texting. Um, 
And so what we learned was ask, Zach, how do you want to be communicated with? Do you prefer text or do you prefer I to call you or do you want, do you want email? And they'll say, no, nope, um, you know what? Um, just call me. It's a lot faster for me. And we'll go, cool. And then we take in the notes. This customer likes to be called. And so then in a guy like my dad hates texting because he, it, <laughs> he's not good at the thumbs and all that stuff, right? Versus other people say, no, 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 no. I'm at work all day. You need to text me. Cool. So the answer is ask. And you can kind of take that um, uh, intention and spread it across your business so that you can give good experiences to the customer. And then at the end of it, um, I feel uh, dealerships deserve a, um, uh, a, a compliment or a testimonial. or uh, to, and, and that goes beyond just a review on Google. Uh, we do exit interviews with our customers where we literally have a questionnaire and we ask them if they'd be willing to do a video testimonial. And so we'll, uh, we do a little video with them uh, in this little office and we say, hey, how was your experience? And we'll ask them leading questions like, do you feel like you got a good deal? Right. Because that's what other people are thinking. Right. Yeah. That's smart. We ask them questions like, um, did you get what you wanted? And they'll answer that question. And it's authentic and it's real and you get to see real people. Um, and it's and it's not us going out there and saying we're the best. You should shop with us. It's other people saying, you know what? This place is kind of cool. So what are some of the most successful dealers doing differently? when it comes to marketing their dealership and inventory? So you said something, uh, you used a word differently. Um, and I like that because uh, one of my uh, tenants is uh, sometimes better isn't better than better. Sometimes <laughs> different is better than better. All right. Uh, and in a, in a climate where differentiating yourself is important, I truly believe different is better than better. Now, You've heard the old saying, don't be different for the sake of different. So just be authentically different. And, and so for us, I'll give you an example of that. We um, uh, specialize, we, we used to specialize in a three to $12,000 price range. That's a really hard price range to specialize in, right? In, in the 90s and the 80s, we were selling a ton of cars for five and six and seven grand. Good cars. We had an inventory of 200 cars that were service, reconditioned, local new car trades, um, in a six and $7,000 price range, where are you going to find that amount of inventory that is serviced with a bow on it, right? Um, today, we specialize in a five to $15,000 price range. Now, I still have a lot of cars in twenty and $30,000 price range. We, we have that. But if you're looking for the place to go to buy a twelve dollars or $14,000 car with 60,000 miles, that's service, certified, you'll have a good experience, you'll get what you want, you'll get a good deal. We're the, we're, the, we're the place to go. So that's different enough. And um, that differentiates us from uh, the big stores. Uh, and keep in mind, I'm an independent, right? I don't have a flag to fly. I don't have a truck showing up every week with inventory. I'm not taking trades on new cars to put on my lot. So we've got to be gritty and inventive to continue to um, be relevant. So what advice do you have for a used car dealer? They're just getting into business. Maybe they just got their dealer's license and they're starting to build their initial inventory management strategy. So my advice to you is um, uh, the car business is no longer uh, a brick and mortar business. 
it is a the car business is a technology business. Uh, so you got to think about it from the aspect of uh, he or she who has the inventory has the opportunity um, and inventory uh, because we're in an inventory based opportunity industry. That inventory um, has a commodity value and then has a consumer value. And so if you focus on that consumer value and you build a good experience and you uh, commit to a quality, frictionless, digital and in-person experience, then um, the rest of it will figure itself out. And, And what I mean by that is like, look at your business through those filters and then you can answer questions every time you come up on um, uh, whether you should do this or that. Um, does it align with uh, a frictionless digital experience that gives highest authentic value to the consumer? Yes or no? Yes, we do that. So why is it hard from both a technologist and a dealer standpoint to build inventory management software? And what are some of the challenges in getting not only the product to market, but the product to fit the end user, used car dealer, dealership, used car manager? There's um, been uh, a lot of legacy conversations going on um, with related with, you know, I'll give you an example. My dad for years walked around with a black book in his pocket, right? At some point that shifted. People didn't use paper black books, right? Um, because there was other information, other insights to make good decisions from. And then it shifted to a system that gave you what I call tunnel vision uh, to see certain other insights, whether it be similars, whether it be MMR, um, whether it be black books in there, right? And now, we're looking, okay, cool. Now I have these things to make a decision on an appraisal or, or, or a vehicle sell. And we're kind of at this unique spot right now because um, the, the system, the legacy systems that are in place, um, again, have kind of reached this tipping point of tunnel vision where no longer does um, uh, Mannheim transaction data uh, uh, give you enough information to appraise a car and actually still make money. Uh, that, that's, that's really the, the, the end. And so simply adjusting a percent to market or cost to market um, isn't a way to succeed at scale. You're gonna be making three and $600 grosses on the front um, and you gotta sell a whole lot of cars and run really, really fast in order to, uh, to make any profit uh, under that kind of uh, uh, system. So, uh, so inventory management today and market pricing today um, in some ways has had to be creative in the data that it uses to um, uh, provide insights to dealers so that they can get the lens of the customer, not the lens of other dealers. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The insights that we, we as dealers have been looking at have been the lens of the other dealers, wholesale numbers, transaction numbers, blah, blah, blah. Forget that for a minute. Let's see, let's put ourselves in the customer seat, especially with the changing landscape today. And let's get insights so that we can get the lens of the consumer. And um, uh, again, go back to that, uh, create a good experience for them. So lastly, Danny, what's coming down the pipeline at VinQ? Yeah, uh, so we, we uh, pride ourselves on, on being bleeding edge and innovative. And um, uh, behind me, 
uh, above me and in front of me are a team of uh, really uh, amazing innovators. So uh, we are very excited uh, about uh, what we call Boost, which is our event-specific targeted advertising. Uh, we feel uh, it's going to be uh, revolutionary in the way that dealers can uh, uh, get more eyeballs on vehicles individually instead of just grouping it by SUVs or sedans or minivans. But we know we have the insights to say, hey, from the moment I bought this car, uh, it has uh, the propensity to be online for 60 days, but I don't want to lower my price in order to sell it faster. How about um, I put the highest authentic value on it and uh, put it in front of consumers who are actually looking for it so I can sell it in 14 days or 20 days and maintain that gross in turn uh, and, and, and have the same muscle to compete uh, uh, as uh, the big dealer groups and even some of the online retailers. That is what we're focused so that dealers can stay strong and stay in the game and be relevant. Awesome. I mean, Danny, I've really enjoyed this podcast. What you've built is super impressive. And the fact that you're running without a floor plan in 2021 is probably shocking to a lot of dealers listening to this episode, but very impressive and really enjoyed this podcast with you today. Thanks, Zach. You, you asked some pretty good questions, man. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining. All right. See you.